please help me. I have been trapped for, well, God knows how long. All I can remember is walking here. Then, everything went black. My mind felt like I was in the most intense dream imaginable. The colors I witnessed, the shapes, shapes I did not think existed. The lines did not conjoin together. Even as I attempted to put the pieces together, to make of something of which I could understand, they dissembled again. A black abyss submerges me as the shapes tear through my body painlessly. Faster and faster, they spin around detaching themselves into artists' paint strokes. Watercolors, that is what it felt like. Beautiful artistic imagery. Was this really a dream? Is what I said to myself. As I heard it through the transparent loops leading to a gate guarded by a miniature version of myself. What is? I asked it, and it showed me a mirror. A reflection of myself, wearing a black cloak and no face. Just skin, aged skin. Was this a glimpse into my future? A deteriorating body, soon to be a corpse laying in the ground. Those maggots are sure are hungry. The figure in front of me began to fade out. And I knew I was coming back. Wake up. A voice called to me. And I was dragged to my jailer cell. How long am I to spend here? I asked. We will figure the out. Your talent perplexes us. So your crime remains clear. Understand that we do not do this for our sake. We do it for the sake of everyone. I was locked up. Banged up. It has been a long time. I do not know when I will be let out. Hello, and welcome my furry friends. This episode is brought to you by the Social Distancing Fairies, keeping you socially distant for your grandparents. On this episode, I'm joined by Niklas Jokblad, a.k.a. El Huevo, musician, painter, video game enthusiast, perhaps better known for his work on Hotline Miami, the ultra-violent top-down shooter game with a heart-pounding soundtrack. His jaw-dropping artwork for the game gained worldwide attention for its bold 80s visual style, very much inspired by the 2011 film Drive. And who doesn't want some lovely colourful imagery whilst you're bashing someone in with a baseball bat. Whilst we're shacked up in quarantine, why not listen to our conversation? We talk about how to find creativity, music sampling, technology, video games, and hipsters. What is a hipster? I hear you ask. Well, 
Why don't you relax into your hammock? Put on your bat ears and find out. Hello, how are you? Hello, I'm good. How are you? Good, wonderful, wonderful. So glad for you to come on. Um, hey, it's all good. So, uh, where are you current, currently? Are you in Gothenburg? No, right now I'm in uh, Grönahög. Okay. Or uh, Vissnaholmen, more specific, but it's like uh, Grönahög is uh, in the middle of the woods. Right. Uh, is that is, is a um, specific reason? Are you on holiday or? Well, um, my uh, girlfriend, she uh, inherited this farm. Mm. And uh, with the coronavirus and everything, we decided to like move here and see what it, what it would be like to live here and like take care of everything. Okay. Wow! So, are you enjoying it? Oh yeah, sure, sure, definitely. I mean, I thought it was going to be more not lonely necessarily, but like lacking social input of sorts. Okay. But yeah. I'm not really missing that at all, <laughs> to yeah. be honest. But I mean, me and my girlfriend, are, her name is Tina, by the way, uh, are hanging out. And I mean, you can chat with people online and whatever, so it's all good. Oh, yeah. I mean, like, that, that is the beauty of, like, social distancing now. You have the internet to just entertain you. Oh, yeah. And I mean, before the whole social distancing, corona thing, I mean, I'm kind of an introvert anyway, so... Mm. Now, when everyone else is forced in introvert almost, it's, it kind of calms me down. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not as stressed you, out. Yeah, absolutely. I've, I've got that sense as well. Like, it's almost like I've always been introvert as well. And um, it's just seeing these extroverted people just almost morph into yourself. It's very strange. Like it's, and a lot, a yeah, lot of them are, are struggling as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, a lot of people are. And I get that. I mean, pe people are different. And, uh, mm. but I think it's good for some people, you know, they're realizing new sides of themselves within this, like how you can actually cultivate other emotions and ideas when you're having more social downtime. I mean, like mm. being social can almost be like finger fucking your phone or something. Oh yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I want to talk about why well, I first asked about Gothenburg just cause I wanted to ask about, um, just in general, what was it like to grow up there? Was there um, was was it quite um easy to be inspired by what was around you? I'm, I mean, it's always when you're a kid and you grow up somewhere and you don't know any better. I guess you kind of just roll with what you have. Mm. But um, I yeah, I think I was inspired. But it probably had more to do with uh my parents being interested in culture and always making sure I had a pen and paper of mm. like good quality when I was, when I was a kid and all, always like nurturing that sort of creative side somewhat. Yeah. Oh, and what also, do they do? Would, yeah. They're a art, um, artist, <laughs> architect. <laughs> right, I guess okay. that's an art form. Yeah. But, yeah uh, no, absolutely. So I, I also grew up pretty in a pretty safe environment. So, you mm. know, we, and we had uh, enough money to, you know, dwell into culture, like, you know, buy a VCR and stuff like that. Mm. Not all, mm. all, all of my friends had that luxury. Uh, 
Mm. Were they quite um, helpful in terms of use, expressing your creativity? Yeah, especially my mom. Uh, yeah. I mean, my dad was more interested in cultivating my, uh, <laughs> I don't even know what, what to call it in English, but like he always said that when you grow up, you should be a finance shark. <laughs> And I thought that sounded cool because, you know, shark, when you're yeah. a kid, you want to be a shark. That's cool. Or a lion. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. <laughs> but yeah. When you grow up, you start to realize that's not so much fun. <laughs> no, <laughs> it's not for me at all. <laughs> totally wrong, Dad. Yeah, yeah. Um, so you, you do a lot of things. You do music, paints, video game art. You've done a few cover designs for vinyls and album artworks. Um, yeah. But what do you feel most happiest doing? Mm, just doing my own stuff, I think. Yeah, I mean, understand. In, in general, when you have the freedom to just do whatever and, and let your brain come up with all sorts of crazy free associated ideas i mean sometimes mm. you get to do that of course when you work with people but yeah sometimes there's a lot of direction going on like mm. you know someone wants you to uh, sort of carry out their vision which is hard um, yeah or it can be hard yeah do you feel kind of demotivated when someone almost gives you too many rules and too many things to follow I mean, since I'm wired the way I'm wired, I don't like rules. As, mm. as a general rule, I don't like rules. But also, mm. it's a tricky question because I've been talking about this a lot with uh, other friends who are artists and how, how you deal with that when someone wants to sort of control what you're doing. Mm. And creativity is mostly, uh, it's, it's like playing. Yeah. Um, or just having fun, and if you if playing with rules is usually never much fun. So it, it can kind of sometimes it's good to sort of if you have no idea, if you have the uh, carte blanche anxiety like uh, mm. H.R. Geiger was talking a lot about, like he was always anxious about starting a new painting, staring yeah. onto the blank canvas. I mean that can help you if someone's like, okay, can you do a I don't know, a wolf eating uh, uh, eating a moose. Okay, then you've got somewhere to go. But once they start poking around and like how the vibe or the atmosphere or like the the soft values of mm. the work, then it can be kind of difficult because it's always better if you can use your own uh, spirit or whatever you want to call it to create the work because it all it's always better if you do yep. it your own way you know because then you tap into the magic <laughs> that creates the really good stuff yeah i mean absolutely like the human mind's incredible like um but i mean it depends some people work that way some people work a better way you know some people can just sit in the room and just you know meditate and just think of something yeah. creative from that or they have to go out for walks or, you know, they have to see somewhere special and then they get inspired by that. Yeah. Um, I mean, do you, what, what, what would you say works best for you? Are you kind of, do you struggle to find that inspiration sometimes? 
I think everyone does. That's kind of like the A1 response, I think. Mm. Uh, but for me, the idea is to not get anxious about it. Like someone once told me that <laughs> whatever you do, there it, it's always going to be shit in, shit out. Like if you fill yourself with a lot of bullshit, what's your output is going to be bullshit. So yeah, yeah. A, a general idea is to try to stay curious and open to mm. the unexpected and like. I mean, I, I almost look at consuming culture as a job almost sometimes. Like I, I always try to have a book or a, like, you know, think about what movies I want to watch or listen to music that sort of inspires and um, stimulates me and find these little things that inspire me and, and then constantly, constantly try to uh, interact with these things so that I have a good bulk of inspiration to draw from whenever I need it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've I talked to people in the past about um, how, like, if they've been making an album or, like, a book or whatever, yeah. sometimes they can only read things that are inspired by that during that time. Like, yeah. if you're making a, a funk album and you and during that process you can only listen to funk music because if you listen to hip-hop then your inspirations might be diverted. You you might lose that sense. Did you kind of get that at all? I mean, I totally get it, but I think it's, um, I don't know if derivative is the right word, but mm. obtuse maybe? Uh, like Yeah, yeah, yeah. Generally, like, I think the universe likes novelty. Mm. And if you want to do something... Like I, I try to not think too much in, in terms of rules and genres. Mm, so mm. if I ever were to make a funk album, I think I would want to not listen to funk. Yeah. <laughs> when I was working on it, I, I would totally like maybe six months before listen to only funk so that I would have like a good uh, foundation of, of funk in my blood, so to speak. Yeah. <laughs> but when that has been sort of established while working on it, I think having crazy influences would actually be a good thing. So maybe yeah, listening man. to uh, the least funky stuff, for example. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, some of the best music has come from just a mesh of everything within that album or, you know, just not one specific sound, but a mesh of different sounds. So yeah, that made sense completely. I, th I think that that's how you find the new stuff like or new venues when you look mm, beyond yeah. what's established. Yeah. And sometimes you don't want to do that. I mean, it's perfect, perfectly fine if you just want to focus on one thing, of course. And I think it takes a certain kind of personality to want to always constantly be searching or being curious. Uh, but yeah, it feels like mostly the masterpieces come out of this sort of uh, expansive uh, yeah. discovery. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I want to talk about um, the album Van Deer, Van Deer, sorry. Um, no worries. How you, I've read an interview about how you talked about the album almost being like 
a an album for the fans or kind of more like more catered towards what people were telling you what to do yeah um i mean <laughs> do you do you think that were you happy with the results for that are you kind of quite happy you did that experiment oh yeah yeah in hindsight for sure uh i'm very proud of it mm. for sure but it, i felt a bit dirty while making it i think yeah <laughs> I, I <didn't> <laughs> because uh, it was so weird with the success of Daisuke uh, yeah. from Hotla Miami uh, I didn't really know how to handle that because it was weird having more place on Spotify than most of the bands that I look up to have uh, <laughs> so I did, didn't really felt like a weird thing and I was starting to feel scared of losing that attention yeah so i think i decided that instead of running away from that fear i kind of wanted to meet meet it head on instead and and try to cater to it Mm -hmm. so i would know why i felt that way and if maybe i could turn it into something positive uh and, and i think i sort of managed to do that uh, so it was kind of therapy almost to deal with that emotion of you know how am i gonna deal with the the attention and and these different wants that the fans have for me yeah um i mean i think it's, it's difficult to like really know what you meant what you're supposed to do really you have to almost listen to your heart but also you know try and think of people who actually care about you as well yeah I mean, for sure, like it's a, it's a fine line and, and, and um, peculiar balance to maintain, mm. to like take inspiration, not inspiration, but take advice maybe uh, and listen to people around you without losing touch with yourself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the other way around, it can be like, to, uh, I don't know how to say this in English, but the direct translation would be navel looking. Navel, uh, like like looking (laughs) into your own navel. Like if you're too self-absorbed, you might just end up in a place where what you're making is so difficult and obscure that no one will understand what it is you're doing. I get what you mean, yeah. I don't think there's an expression for it, but I, I do know what you mean like almost like convoluting your brain so much you don't know what's what who to listen to or what to listen to but it's more like um only listening to yourself in such a manner that what you're trying to do is becoming too obscure for anyone to fathom at all and creating something like art in any form is a form of expression and to me, it feels like expression uh, is just the first part of uh, communication. So you actually want people to understand what you're doing. I mean, n- perhaps not everyone, but at least a couple of people. Uh, and then it's important to stay open a bit. Yeah. I mean, are other people within your circle you trust quite well in terms of like sending music to them and getting feedback? Yeah. And and knowing how to deal with that feedback, like mm. 
so you don't end up in a place where it's like, oh, but this guy didn't like this and this girl didn't like that and maybe I should change it. And then you might end up with just something that's totally bland instead. Yeah. So it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's tricky. It's a lot of mental training involved, I think. Yeah, there's also a, a thing about overworking or over-listening to your own work as well. Oh, yeah. You start to like almost lose insanity. <laughs> Dude, oh my God. So, sometimes I think I can almost reflexively enter a state where I'm listening to my own stuff with someone else's ears <laughs> and try to stay in that state. Because uh, yeah. a lot of the times what you're making, you, you might open it on a bad day and be like, this is shit. Mm. But someone else might really like it. So instead of just jumping onto it and trying to fix it, and creating a Frankensteinian monster out of it. Um, take a deep breath and try to try to try to sort of position yourself outside of yourself and, and look yeah. at whatever it is you're making uh, with new ears. I mean, it's kind of classic stuff, but uh, it's harder to do than than you might imagine. For me, at yeah, least. No. yeah, absolutely. Um, it's, um, I think it just takes a lot of uh, patience to be able to like, cause some, sometimes you want to just release stuff straight away or kind of, you know, you want to get it done, but you have to say to yourself, you know, I need, I need to give it time and to really think about if it's yeah. working or not. Yeah. Yeah. The, the stress can get the worst of you. I mean, but, but that can also, um, come down to the atmosphere around you like the room you're sitting in or the vibe yeah, outside yeah. like you know we were talking about social distancing mm. and how people are more uh, inclined to stay at home perfect time to take that downtime and, and you know let yourself not get stressed and, and work on your creative endeavors yeah instead of like come to the bar have a point to Point of woods or whatever. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people are just trying different creative like avenues, and a lot of people are just writing books. A lot of people are getting into painting as well. Yeah. Like it's um, it's it's really cool because yeah. I think without that, they wouldn't even think about doing that. I don't think. Exactly. So maybe that's the positive side. I'm sorry, all the people who died and got sick, but maybe this is yeah. the positive outcome from this uh, crisis or whatever you want to call it. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, um, I want to talk about hip hop as well. Um, oh yeah, sure. Yeah. Because um, I get a sense that you're a very big fan. Um, big Wu-Tang Clan fan. Am I right? Uh, well, I wouldn't say I listen to everything that they've done, but mm. I definitely like uh, the RZA. Uh, he's solo stuff or more he's producing yeah and also his solo stuff i think yeah, is cool yeah. and uh, i i used to listen to raekwon a lot but mm. i think i think i listened to that kind of hip-hop a lot when i was in um, elementary school mm -hmm. and kind of thought it was cool i didn't really know knew why i liked it and now when i'm older i figured aha it's a certain kind of certain kind of sound from that era that's yeah. really getting to me and 
a lot of the Wu-Tang songs are like, you know, they're just stoned as fuck and they don't really know what they're doing. They're just blah, blah, blah going for it. <laughs> Uh, there is a certain kind of energy to that too, but I always liked the songs that were a little bit more philosophical and sort of soul-like yeah. with the beats. I mean, yeah, Wu-Tang were definitely kind of ahead their time in terms of like, I think the song, the first track off Ends the Wu-Tang Clan, when I first heard that, that was probably the hardest beat I've ever heard and the hardest rhyme and vocals. It was just so aggressive. Yeah. Um, and I've never heard anything like that before. Um, but yeah, obviously there's more hip hop other than Wu Tang Clan. You no, know, um, are you are you more old school, new school, or do you kind of listen to both? Are you quite impartial? Mm, I try to stay impartial for mm-hmm. sure. But mm-hmm. as as you said, you like the, the, at first being hit by by that sort of toughness. Mm. still stays i mean you can still find hip-hop tracks that are modern and you sort of feel it in your gut when it's like oh yeah dude this is really like tough yeah. or harsh or whatever like you still vibe with that yeah but, absolutely um like um i don't know if you sorry um no no go you... <laughs> um i don't know if you know um denzel curry are you denzel curry yeah no, no, never he, heard about a, a rapper who's just emerged in the past maybe three, four years. He's got a very um, similar, that kind of aggressive, raw rapping style that you kind of more see like back in the 90s, maybe early noughties. Oh, yeah. Um, he, he's, very, he's, he's quite revolutionary as well. I don't think it's almost like that. Um, did you ever get into Rage Against the Machine at all? Oh yeah, sure. Yeah, it's almost like that Zach de la Rocha kind of feel, you know, that. Oh yeah, yeah. Very yeah. angry rapping style. Oh yeah. You can almost you can almost feel the emotion within 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 his rapping. Yeah, yeah, that can be good for certain kinds of days, for sure. Mm. Oh uh, yeah. <laughs> when you're frustrated and you yeah. don't know what to do with all that energy, listening to someone else's frustration can be really. Uh, um, uh, quite an exorcism yeah absolutely <laughs> i like that i like that um but i think i got into like the sound more than the rappers eventually like mm-hmm. there was this especially dj shadow for sure yeah, and yeah mm. and uh, a japanese dude called dj crush mm. that did some collaborations with dj shadow and uh, uh Stuff like that. Nuya Bess, obviously. Yeah, um, yeah, Bess, yeah. <laughs> and, I mean, um, is, yeah. Um, is there anybody, any of them you'd like, like to collaborate with? Or kind of, who would you most like to collaborate with? DJ Crush, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Because he, he's the most inventive of them, I think. Because like, I even met him once, even, uh, yeah. in uh, Geneva at the, at the airport in Switzerland. Uh, yeah. and I totally geeked out like 14 <laughs> year old nerdy oh you're DJ Crush oh, and he couldn't even speak English and his tra- his translator had to figure out what I was trying to say and <laughs> I made a mess of it <laughs> but yeah I would have loved to work with that guy it, it would have been cool to just see how he thinks about music 
because um, I feel that he's very, uh, um, he has a very spiritual approach to music, and I like that. Uh, and he, like he, he does all sorts of weird things with hip hop, especially, or like rhythm-based music. Yeah, uh, I think that's cool. Yeah, I think there's a magic within like, especially how you sample hip hop as well, like that you can sample a beat and you can kind of you can make it your own very easily well not very easily but you can make it your own if you really try yeah you know you can just take a simple piano uh four four track beat and just you know put a beat over it you can just you can do anything with with i think that's why i think hip hop so magical because it's kind of based on sampling like a lot of it yeah and especially with the emergence of lo-fi hip-hop it's kind of like a friend of mine shelby he he said that lo-fi hip-hop is the modern day jazz (laughs) (laughs) yeah Uh, yeah i can get that because it's it's still quite it's still quite niche though isn't it it's not like it's it's very big on youtube and like soundcloud and but it's not quite hasn't quite dipped into mainstream quite yet i don't think i think it's like for sure not on the radio but like in commercials and in shopping malls and stuff like that i hear uh, and i think it's like that kind of music that kind of works to have in the background sort of like these old chill out albums that all the Mm. bars were playing 20 years ago Mm. Uh, or buddha cafe stuff like that Uh, so it's niche but it's something that works in a lot of contexts that gives a mood without people thinking about it too much, but it will yeah. never be played on the radio because it doesn't have the, you know, the vocals and whatnot yeah. that people crave on the radio. I think, yeah, to play on the radio, you need almost some kind of energy, some kind of push. Yeah. Otherwise, if it's just like a repetitive, nice beat, then not many people will be, will tune into that much really. Which is kind of weird because when a lot of people listen to radio, they don't tune into it so much anyway. Yeah. It's more like something that's just on in the background anyway. So, mm. And I thought about that yesterday when me and my girlfriend were in the kitchen listening to the radio. Mm. And she wasn't really listening to it because she was drawing. Uh, and how all of these mainstream and famous artists have so much recognition but mostly i don't think anyone is really listening to their music yeah because it's being played on the radio and it's being played on spotify and whatever but people who are listening to it are they actually really listening to it i mean yeah well there's a thing as well with like how music is now as well most people listen to music when they're traveling you know when they're just either browsing on the phone during listening nobody actually just sits down and listens to music Except the nerds. Yeah, <laughs> like me and you. Because yeah. <laughs> uh, maybe, I'm not going to say that we're better in, a, in any way, but maybe we get that there's some sort of mysterious magical power in music, that it, it can sort mm. of give you feelings and emotions and yeah. alleviate you and, in, in various ways uh, if you really listen to it. Yeah, I mean, there's some albums I've listened to like 20 times, and each time I listen to them, I always notice something different. I mean, like especially definitely. like more like Beatles or Beach Boys, like really grand scale stuff. 
you know, you can really notice the little gimmicks in there every time you re-listen. That's the best thing when that happens. And mm. I, I try to do that myself. I'm not sure I always mm. succeed, but that's definitely something I always try to go for when making music. Yeah, yeah. Adding yeah. layers and and things in there for like little nuggets for people to find, hopefully. Mm. Uh, and sometimes you you might bury them too deep for anyone to even notice. But it's always it always puts a smile on, on my face whenever I get like an email, someone asking about a weird detail that I put in a song or whatever. Yeah. Uh, well, think, think about weird details, actually. When I was researching for you, I came across a Reddit uh, post um, talking about how, I'm trying to remember what song it was, but um, how there was, a, there was a track where you were singing on it. Yeah. Um, like, was that kind of spur of the moment or you, did you kind of, were you always going to do that? No, it's spur of the moment, I think. Yeah, okay. I, I was yeah. probably drunk uh, at the time. It <laughs> uh, sounds some, good. Like, <laughs> <laughs> thanks. I don't, I don't, I, I don't like writing uh, lyrics because uh, yeah. I, I think I destroyed my lyric brain when I was a kid listening to too much, uh, mu- too many musicals. So the only lyrics I can write are sort of musical-like, and that kind of gives me a, a cringe nowadays. Uh, but it's fun to sing, so I think it was just a spur of the moment, like just trying to use the voice as an instrument more. Yeah, yeah. Um, I was well, looking for your tweets as well. I noticed you're a fan of Ennio Morricone. Oh yeah, um, and he well died obviously, didn't he? Um, like, and there's definitely a sense of that Western guitar within your music as well. Have you ever sampled any of his stuff? Oh yeah, yeah. I can kind not of tell, so... but I just thought <laughs> <laughs> I'd ask. <laughs> N- not not so much anymore. It was yeah more before I, I even put any music up on the internet. Okay, right. It was almost like during MySpace time. Uh-huh. Uh, I used to sample him a lot because I bought a CD um, with like a collection of his song like Ennio, Ennio Morricone Western Hits or something 30 songs with various with his themes and songs um, it, it, there's a lot of stuff in there that you can that's good for sampling uh, and yeah, back absolutely. then he wasn't as prominent as he is now He's he really resurfaced like 10 years ago Mm-hmm. Uh, and all of a sudden everyone was like on Ennio Morricone um, but nowadays it's a little bit touchy-feely with sampling because before the whole um, I don't even know what it's called but like the, how the algorithms are listening to uh, music and looking for sample samples they're like bots on YouTube um, that send you a cease and desist if they pick up on Mm-hmm. stolen tunes even uh, it gets a bit more touchy-feely to use sampling um, yeah I mean I, I'm, not, I, I'm, not, I'm not too familiar about um, sampling history back when it, in the 90s or whatever but I, I know it was around a lot like especially in hip-hop I mean was I don't know if there was much um, legal action back then or was it very much like you can do what you want um, it, it was more like Wild West, for sure. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah. 
people could do could do whatever and even if he got sued like no one did there weren't a lot of uh, legal leverage behind it so it was mm. kind of easy to just drop it uh, and I, one rapper I don't remember his name but I remember him saying that like fuck it I'm not gonna try to copyright like try to license every anything because it's it's just cheaper for me to deal with the, the legal costs than try to pay for Oh. The license, so fuck it. Um, but nowadays it's much more regulated and weird. Yeah, I mean they're very tough on it. Like even the slightest, you no, know, I think it's well, uh, ten seconds you're allowed of like a sample. That's the legal requirement, I think. Anything more than that, then people will click onto you and immediately take down your track. I think it's even less now, actually. Yeah. Well. Uh, yeah, I think it's even less because I've gotten cease and desists from like just sampling uh, small snippets, mm. uh, and even <laughs> from things that I didn't sample. Uh, sometimes Already. it's been just for a melody that I've composed on my own that was obviously a regurgitation of another melody that I've heard somewhere. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, YouTube is like sending me an email. This is from the whatever Finnish composer. And like, who's that guy? I don't even, you know. <laughs> so <laughs> it can get weird yeah, sometimes. They're very tough. I mean, you you went in a bit of a trouble as well with the Silent Hill soundtrack as well with, with Day 2K. That was actually fine. Oh, okay. Because... <laughs> uh, um, I had Akira Yamaoka's email, right? Uh, and when that sort of surfaced, I just emailed him and said that I was sorry uh, and hoped he would understand. And he was like, "Really short, yeah, like thank you, no problem." Sort of. Okay. Well, I mean, uh, I think I think that's what's important as long as you acknowledge the person you've sampled and they're okay with it. Yeah. I mean, and surely that's all you need. It's, of course, like it's it can be hard to get a hold of people and like asking them. Like I just want to homage, like put a homage uh, to you in my song. And mm, mm, mm. I mean, I in a perfect world, I feel like you should be able to do that yeah. because, like, if it's out of love because you like the person's work and you want to uh, sort of elevate and and incorporate that into your own stuff. It's almost like humans singing to each other. I think that's a beautiful thing. Yeah. Um, but since there's a lot of legal bullshit above all of that, they always think that you want to sort of f- f- have a free lunch or whatever. Yeah. I mean, I don't think most people who sample people are sti- or directly hate them. or they, they, yeah, It's mostly just pain homage. Like nobody yeah. just steals work from somebody because they hate them it's mainly because of love exactly (laughs) and and it's not about the money uh yeah mostly and for a lot of people who just work on the legal side of it it's it is about the money so that's what where they are coming from so it's sort of a clash of interests Mm -hmm. um but yeah we'll see what happens (laughs) um let's talk about your arts work as well um 
So I noticed something, I don't know if you've been asked this before, I've done a bit of research, you know, I've tried to find the answer, but so don't hate me if it's already been <laughs> answered. <laughs> um, so with your artwork, you draw faces in quite an interesting way. It's like this, um, I mean, I've read up about how it's almost inspired by Mexico's Day of the Dead. Um, but the faces, they have this kind of robotic twist to it as well. Mm. Is there a reason why you, you've painted them this way? Um, I it's a hard, it's an interesting, but a hard question. Mm. I, I think it, it's sort of because, I mean, partly it's from anime, um, the aesthetics of it somewhat, yeah. and me failing to re to incorporate that properly but also like the human condition is interesting to me and right like androids and ai because uh, androids and ai would creating an, an ai or an android would entice recreating the human condition and understanding the human condition uh to me at least and that's sort of uh, an underlying theme that I like uh, a philosophical theme that I like to just mull over and think about. And then that sort of creeps into um, the faces, I think, because that's the obvious way to portray um, a person or an Android or whatever you're trying to portray. Uh, a, a lot of the, like the uncanny Valley, for example, in video games. Yeah how they've been struggling to recreate perfect human emotions. Uh, but instead of trying to do that, trying to create a being that is almost human, but not really, and trying to figure out what it is to be human, uh, mm. as I am doing myself. So kind of almost uh, Philip K. Dick inspired in a way. N I mean, I'm not a big fan of Philip K. Dick. Definitely his philosophical themes, but uh, I've, I feel like Philip K. Dick is more of a jester yeah. <laughs> uh, when it comes to dealing with these things. And uh, I think I'm more of a, I don't know, Dan Simmons kind of guy. Oh, I'm not too familiar with Dan Simmons. Um, he Have you seen the... Um, the show called uh, The Terror? No. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Sorry, there's a lot of shows that people have told me to watch. Um, yeah, yeah, like... <laughs> yeah, for sure. I'm not sure you should watch it, but the book okay. is really good. And, and he wrote right. uh, four books about AI and androids and uh, okay. consciousness and stuff like that. And I, I was really inspired by that. And I thought it was cool because he's kind of serious and uh, uh, melodramatic and a little bit pretentious about it. Yeah. Um, I mean, do you, do you like sci-fi in general, or is that are you just trying to steer away from that a bit more? Is it more just the emotions, emotional side of the characters? I mean, I, I like Russian sci-fi a lot. Uh, yeah. I think I like philosophical sci-fi, not so much yeah. the laser guns. Yeah, 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 yeah. of course. Uh, the, all the tropes, but it's really cool that you can sort of take um, an idea 
that is rooted in our reality and attack it from a science fiction perspective because then you can talk about whatever it is you want to talk about uh, in, dif- mm-hmm. in a different way like the Sturgatsky brothers from Russia like uh, they wrote the um, roadside picnic that was later inspired the movie Stalker um, that Tchaikovsky, Chuk- famous Russian filmmaker, uh, made a movie off, and um, they used their uh, science fiction as a political tool. Because back then in Russia, like if you wrote anything political and criticized the regime, like you would you get your dick chopped off or whatever, or something. Yeah, of course. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, and they had really rigorous. Um, um, what do you call it, like um, processes that you had to send your work to an institution that would review it and be like, oh, you have to take this away and you have to take this away and this could be interpreted as, as anti-regime or whatever. Uh, yeah. And they just wrote sci-fi yeah. while criticizing the regime. So it went through the the process without anyone notice- noticing. <laughs> it's like the perfect anti-propaganda. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah, well, that's still going on in like places like China as well. So it's quite, I guess it's quite hard to be creative there. Yeah. Well, I mean, you can be inspired by what's around you, but more like actually trying to get out there. I mean, it's, if it comes to being, to criticizing the regime in China, it, it feels like they're kind of touchy-feely about it. Uh, but I've heard also though that like the the um, talking about religion, for example, in China is like super easy. In in the states, it can be really hard yeah. to talk about religion. Like this is a long time ago now, but Marilyn Manson, for example, had a lot of issues with uh, the right wing religious people. Uh, yeah. And in China, it's like they don't really care about that. Like if you want to talk mm-hmm. about the devil, sure, go ahead. <laughs> uh, Yeah. Um, so, what else can we talk about? Or um, you uh, actually talk about video games. Um, so, um, like, I'm interested to how you're how you're attracted to a video game. Do you are you is there something that immediately catches your eye and thinks you know I want to work on that. What do you mean, like with uh, working with video games, or um, as in like doing the artwork for video games? Is there is there something within a story of a video game which immediately catches your eye that makes you want to work on it? I don't get that many. Uh, <laughs> I don't think I get work with video games that way. I sort of just end up in projects. Uh, okay, <laughs> and been lucky enough to like the projects that I've ended up working on. So just uh, through friends and. Yeah, mostly through friends. Okay. Yeah. Uh, since I've been in the base for almost twelve years now, um, it kind of things happen on its own almost. Um, I mean, I've heard there's quite a big creative scene in Gothenburg as well. Is yeah, right? sure. Yeah, yeah, sure. 
it's kind of weird actually it's a it's a small fishing town almost <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh but there's a lot of creativity there which is cool uh i mean we have image and form who did uh, steam world the steam world dig games and then obviously yeah, yeah. denaton and uh eric sweding who uh fairly famous uh, indie developer and um um Soink games like there's tons of stuff going on which is pretty cool i think for such a small town yeah i mean um, it's great are, are you quite happy there or would you does they ever tempt you to move to like the states or anywhere kind of bigger oh i wouldn't want to move to the states yeah. sorry but <laughs> <laughs> the states no thank you uh i kind of like i like sweden i've been about a bit i used to live in uh, ireland and i used to live in uh uh, in Cork in Ireland and Paris in France mm. uh, but I always sort of got homesick and wanted to go back to Sweden I kind of like Sweden it's safe and uh, but boring but also the weather is kind of shitty so it forces you to stay inside and uh, you know when the sun is shining too much like in California or whatever you yeah. just it's too hot and you just want to go outside and skateboard uh, <laughs> and it's hard to get anything done but if it's raining, you stay inside and you kind of brew a cup of tea uh, and start working on some creative stuff. So the weather kind of helps that way. Uh, but now I'm thinking about moving to the woods with my girlfriend. So I'm probably going to do that. Well, go for it. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, well, I actually had a question for you. Okay. Uh, if that's cool. Yeah, just turning uh, it around. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, turning it around here. Like the the name of your uh, podcast. Yep. Um, something about oh, yeah, um, criminally criminally underrated. Yeah, criminally underrated. Um, yeah. How did that come about? Like, are um, you interested in criminally underrated peeps, or is it just something? I mean, yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm always, there's like a big list of people that I've got that I want to come onto the podcast. <laughs> it's just a bunch of people who I just love and they just don't get the recognition. I don't think they, they deserve. Yeah. Um, and I'm, I'm always, I'm, I'm always the kind of person who, if someone asks me, you know, of any underrated artists, I have, I have more answers for that than if someone was to ask me, about overrated artists because overrated artists is it's a harder question but underrated artists you know there's there's so many that have i mean they're, they're in their own niches you know people love them they're the, their own communities but still i don't think they they're quite where they should be yeah i think it's an inter- I it's a loving sentiment and an interesting one uh, mm. And I, I mean, mean is it... personally, I don't really feel like I'm underrated, or I don't even think about it too much. Like having money and a roof over your head mm. while mm. being able to do what you love doing is enough. I feel, and yeah, yeah I'm perfectly contempt there. But th- I think, like in terms of the, the overall market. Uh, it would be nice if the mainstream was more interested in the weird stuff and like the and not just regurgitating the same things over and over again because it would mm. be more interesting if culture in general was 
more interested in the underdogs because then you would have more diversity maybe <laughs> i mean yeah it's interesting how like the weird is less popular than something very bland and something very you know very conventional it's, it's, it's a strange concept to think about just how something that's more interesting doesn't pique somebody's eye more why is that I mean. yeah it's, yeah I mean, it's strange it's i don't know whether it's just like through technology maybe or just like how we've just adapted ourselves into like just these robotic you know slaves in a way and we just like like to consume things which are easy maybe it's because music let's take music for example mm. that used to be something the sort of flock or the pack or the group could get together around you know the bonfire mm. and then someone starts drumming and whoever wants to join in can join in and then you get a sense of community and it's very powerful and mm. and now it's just sort of something we're listening to while waiting to die almost yeah no, absolutely like that thing I mentioned, like most people listen to music on the train or, you know, while passing time. Yeah. Instead of trying to, you know, figure things out about their own emotions or just as, as you said before, like the, the, the brain, the mind is fantastic thing. Like it's so vast and mysterious Mm. and a, a way to discover your own mind is to get into art or culture mm, it's mm. like a beacon or a funnel into your own psyche yeah i mean it's i mean there's a thing like uh we only use 10 percent of our brain i think i think it's something like that yeah when we're like sober and we haven't taken any drugs or anything like that you know yeah um and that, that's really interesting because it's almost like we haven't fully evolved yet And maybe art is a way without using drugs uh, mm, yeah. to sort of try to evolve our minds and maybe uh, get to 12%, hopefully. <laughs> I don't know. No, but something like that. I mean, discovering new things about... I mean, a lot of my emotional landscape I've discovered through listening to music or playing video games like the first time i played silent hill i had no idea i could feel such dread or anxiety (laughs) it's a horrible game to play but it's amazing yeah Yeah, exactly it's horrible but also amazing and it opened up a whole new set of emotions for me that i could use in art for example yeah and also like deal with my own anxiety why do i feel like this and then i had something um this Silent Hill in, in this particular uh, particular example that could help me figure out a lot of these negative emotions that I was having. I mean, was there something that kind of like when you were a kid, especially maybe that you kind of felt safe doing that kind of that escaped you from your own emotions in a way like playing or well, playing Silent Hill or like listen to a specific album maybe. Yeah, sure. For sure. Hmm. that's a classic i guess listening to someone or something saying or doing something that you feel yourself makes you feel more comfortable Mm, mm. like you feel less alone or whatever or you figure things out Uh, it's very 
very helpful and uh, cathartic even. Mm. Um, I was, I was, whilst you were talking about uh, Gothenburg, I was also going to ask, because um, I, I really love um, Else Heart.Break, the game, which you, oh, you did. Do. The, yeah, I love that game. It's one of my favorite games ever. Oh, man. <laughs> um, and the the city, Dorisburg, I think that's, yeah, the, what it's based upon is Gothenburg. It's, um, but as in like what aspects of Gothenburg are in that game? You know, is it very much true to its core or is it a lot of exaggeration? Uh, we try to stay true. Uh, as much yeah. as we could, for sure. Like, especially with the weather and like the mood of the people living there. Uh, it's hard to explain, but it's it's kind of like it's it's a bit drab. Like the the most social people are the drunkards on the on the bench in the park. Like, hey, man. You got a beer, like you're my friend, uh, and then you have like all the other people who are just. Maybe it's the weather that does it, but we try to capture that mood as best we could, uh, and I think that that's why a lot of people stopped playing because it was too hard for them to get into. Um, I mean, the thing I, what I love about the game is that it's. I love games where they don't give you directions. Yeah, it's very much that game. Like it's very much you know, you have to explore yourself. You have to find out what's interesting, you know. Mm. And there's no like journal or anything like that. To so if you talk to a character, you have to remember what they said. Yeah, it's it's almost like just your brain trying to think. <laughs> yeah, and and sort of like life a little bit. Yeah, uh, yeah. That was especially with um, the map was a big thing. Uh, mm. not having like a, a little pin on the map showing where you were but more like an actual map mm. and mm. Uh, a lot of the playtesters and a lot of people who played it were like oh the map sucks yeah I mean it's, it's how a map works in real life that's yeah, what we I wanted mean, to do I so mean unless go on sorry sort of just de-gamify things uh, and get rid of all the the goals and the um, hard mechanics and sort of go with soft values instead. Yeah. I mean, depends what approach we're going for. Like if you all, I mean, that was that game made before Google maps was invented or Sorry? was that game um, made before Google maps? Uh, it was before, I think. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it I guess, yeah, that's kind of guess true to life as it was back then. Oh yeah, that's true. Like nowadays we have Google Maps and then you have yeah. the pin. So yeah, obviously, yeah. <laughs> uh, old school maps then. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm victim to being the kind of person who can't get anywhere without Google Maps anyway. Oh yeah, me too. And like, I think a lot of people, yeah. <laughs> to- totally de-evolutionized de- uh, uh, the brain that way. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it used to be fine, but now it's like, where are we? I don't know. I mean, yeah, I I remember back then it was fine. I survived. Yeah, but for I don't sure. Know, I don't. I don't know how. <laughs> I mean, m- maybe when the, the Corona is over or whatever, and you travel, try to 
not use Google Maps. It'll probably take a day or two, but then mm. you'll be back to your old way of doing things. Hopefully, who knows? That's a maybe. good experiment. <laughs> yeah. Or maybe we're just fucked forever. Who knows? Um, have you ever thought about writing your own game? Or is that just way too, I don't know, out of the... Yeah. <laughs> when you say writing, do you mean like story-wise or coding? Um, either. I mean, do you have a story for a game that you really want to get out of there? I mean, right now I'm working on a game with uh, a couple of friends. Okay. Uh, and the initial idea for it was was mine, but then I was approached by um by a friend called Morten Brigman. Uh, and he sort of uh, evolved the story, and then we sort of bounced it back and forth. Mm. Uh, and now I'm sort of in charge of doing the lore, yeah. uh, and I find it very interesting. Uh, yeah. It's, it, I mean, it's hard. I, I'm used to talking with images, yeah, uh, and using sort of an abstract language, mm. uh, and working with uh, with symbols and shapes and uh, colors and now like writing is like totally different i mean you can still be abstract and loose but mm. there has to be sort of consistency and coherence to it uh you if you want people to feel a certain way i mean take bloodborne for example uh, have you played bloodborne no um i've had a million things about it though <laughs> yeah <laughs> I think one of the aspects of that game was the cool aspects was that they managed to do a story that was almost completely hard to understand and like to like understand the story almost impossible, but still right. feeling like you understood what was going on. Yeah. And that's very hard because you could almost argue, do the developers even know what's going on? But if they didn't I mean, know what was yeah. going on, then it wouldn't feel like you almost knew what was going on. So it's a lot about show and tell. If you want to be mysterious, and I like mysteries, you have yeah. to sort of know the, the intricacies of the mystery that you want to convey, but not show too much to the player so stay mysterious without being too obscure yeah i mean i love that like that's that's what i think i'm i don't know if you've ever played the game fez oh yeah sure yeah i'm drawn to games like that because they're very yeah. they have their own well it has its own language doesn't it it's yeah. like it's, it's very mysterious you know you when you first start playing it you're not sure what's going on and it's it's interesting to be put into a world like that yeah. And just almost like stuck into a maze and you have to figure things out. I freaking love Fez for that, mm. definitely. Mm. Uh, and how they made, uh, or how Phil Fish made his own language. And mm. I'm trying to do something similar with this game that we're making okay. now. Uh, and it's it's tricky, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, mad respect. I mean, are you happy to talk about the game or is it very secret, secretive? No, no, it's fine. You can, I can talk about it. Sure. Yeah. I mean, like, what's the premise of it? 
the premise is that you're on board this uh, spaceship or you wake up on the spaceship and you don't know what's going on and uh, you try to find a way out of there uh, and uh, almost like um, Zelda um, Link's Awakening you realize mm -hmm. that there's this demon sleeping aboard the spaceship and yeah. uh, in order to get out of there, you have to find this demon and um, get rid of it somehow. Nice. Is it, is it, is it uh, 2D? Yeah, 2D. Okay. Uh, so kind of Metrovania-ish. Yeah, um, yeah. Because, I mean, it's still Ellis Heartbreak exploration vibe, but since I'd already done that in 3D, I wanted to try and do it in 2D instead. Also because I thought it would be less time-consuming, but it turned out it's not. It's actually more time-consuming. I mean, you said previously you don't like working in 3D. That's yeah, but yeah. I'm starting to realize that maybe I do like 3D. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, obviously I had a lot of fun making Els Heartbreak. Uh, yeah. But maybe I just needed a break from that. But now, mm. with, and especially with uh, PlayStation VR and that little program called Quill, I think it's called, uh, mm. where you can sort of draw in virtual reality. Oh, okay, peak. yeah, yeah. I, I've sort seen of, that around. Yeah, yeah it looks kind of cool. It piqued my mm. interest to start sort of building worlds in 3D while being inside the world. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty mad stuff what vr is doing right now like <laughs> within oh, yeah it could be the norm within five years time we don't know uh, who knows I, I maybe uh i think it would take some time for our brains to realign a little bit first like mm. i imagine it would be kind of weird to i mean sitting in front of a canvas for 10 hours sure it can you can get yeah. really um, woozy afterwards, mm. but mm. imagine being 10 hours inside VR and yeah. drawing. It's, yeah. <laughs> right. You don't must be forget you're not in reality. <laughs> exactly. And especially if you're on drugs at the same time. Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> uh, are you a fan of the Switch at all? Yeah, sure. Yeah, cool. I mean, I, I feel like the Switch is definitely like. I guess up your alley. That's why I asked, because um, it's very much in tune to more indie games, more two D, retroish kind of style. Yeah, it took a while to get used to it. Uh, yeah, but uh, I had a friend who, who for two years, he was like, "You gotta buy a Switch." Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whatever. I'm playing Destiny Two on PlayStation <laughs> Four now, uh, but eventually I got one, and uh, he loaned me. Breath of the Wild. Yeah. Uh, and uh, yeah, it kind of sold me. And then I started downloading all, all sorts of weird uh, indie games. The latest one being La Mulana 2. I've heard that. Like super obtuse and weird. Uh, yeah. Kind of like Spelunky, but right. mashed up with Castlevania and Fez. <laughs> That sounds interesting. Uh, it's I mean. <laughs> interesting for sure. It took me four hours to just 
clear the first couple of rooms. <laughs> so yeah, um, and and also like for um, ports of older games like Resident Evil Four, that was awesome to play again on the Switch. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean they bring a lot of games onto there, like even like massive games like Skyrim's on there at the moment. Yeah, how, um, how's that working out? Like, have you I, have you tried it? I've never tried it. I'm not sure how it'd play out though, because I don't think the graphics card could take it. Surely, yeah. Because I mean, the Switch is more how I see it designed for graphics, which are kind of less realistic and more kind of stylistic in its way. Yeah. So I'm not sure how realism would work on the Switch. I mean, not only Skyrim, there's also The Witcher 3 on mm, there. Mm, mm. And uh, people say that it's fine. And now also The Outer Worlds, which is a massive RPG. Mm. Uh, yeah. But if, if if it works, I guess it works. Uh, I hope it doesn't work too well, because just as you said, then it might get rid of the titles that try to go for more um, aesthetic graphics and who want to yeah. be more artistic with it instead of just rendering real life or whatever, or realism. Yeah, I mean, that's what I was drawn to the Switch in the first place because it was almost like a platform for them kind of games. Yeah, for the weirdos. And, yeah, <laughs> for the weirdos. And um, if that, if, you know, the PlayStation and Xbox start to cross-platform their games onto the Switch, then it might, you know take over well i don't know actually because nintendo is still quite a very they're a very humble company still yeah so i'm not i'm not sure if they'd allow it in a way i mean they have their vibe and it's very strongly rooted so mm. maybe we shouldn't be too scared about it but and also these things go in waves you know mm. for a couple of years everybody wants brown realism and then there's a couple of years where everybody wants just weird artistic stuff and on and on it goes mm, mm. yeah like, I mean, uh, braid for example when that came out on uh, xbox 360 uh-huh. uh, there was a it, it was back in 2008 i think yeah uh, then there was like a couple of years where everyone was just super stoked on weird indie games I mean, yeah, that that was that was really low budget, wasn't it? Braid. It was same company from another. Uh, it was, I can't remember. What, do you remember what the developer it was? Or yeah, Jonathan Blow. Oh yeah, okay, of course, indie yeah. guy. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, yeah, no, he that was the biggest game. Surely he's done. I think he did something called uh, the Witness. Right. A puzzle game of sorts. Uh-huh. Never played it. Not a big fan of puzzle games. <laughs> Are you? I've 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 never heard of them actually. I, to be honest, yeah, I, I'm not I'm, I'm not very in tune with video games. Maybe to your to your extent, you know. I, I I'm very I very much stick to the the five or six video games I play on a loop. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I mean, fair enough. I think it's a healthy approach. Yeah. <laughs> you gotta. You can't just consume one. I mean, you can, but if you want to stay uh, curious, you have to sort of 
consume various forms of culture, I think. And also that it's something that I feel is a bit of a problem with the game world nowadays. Yeah. A lot of people who are into games seem to be only into games. So that's their sole frame of reference. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, yeah, like, obviously, I, I mean, I've got music, games, you know, films, you know, everything. I think games is quite a small portion of that, but even still, I'm quite hardcore with it. <laughs> How hardcore are you with music then, I wonder? Um, I'd say mostly like 90%, maybe. <laughs> oh, jeez, that's, that's a lot. Probably, like, I mean, it goes back to that thing where, like, even I'm, vi- I'm victim to listen to music, you know, wherever I go and being like not in tune with it sometimes just as a background in a way. Yeah. But I guess that's a small like me just trying to relax in a sense. Like with video games? Uh, no, with music. Or, or music. Okay. Yeah. So it's more relaxation for you. I mean, mostly. Yeah. But I mean, obviously if a new album comes out, then I will sit down and listen to it. Yeah, get into it. Yeah. Uh, can okay. First of all, um, <laughs> hotline, in Hotline Miami, I'm, I'm I'm not gonna talk about it much. I just want to ask a few questions about it. Um, yeah, sure. uh, there was so you there's a character named after you called Beard. Yeah. Um, have you always been a beard person? Is this is it something you've literally grew grew since you? gain puberty <laughs> uh, I think I started growing a beard when I was in when I was 16 oh yeah <laughs> so fairly early on uh, but then I had a girlfriend at the time that didn't like beards so she more or less forced me to uh, cut it short uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> But that blossomed later. Mostly it's because I'm lazy, to be honest. Like, I'm, I don't yeah. make a huge effort. It's more like it grows like weeds. And <laughs> I can't be bothered to get up in the morning and shave it off every day. So I just let it grow. And now I kind of like it. Also, yeah. I'm going to be honest. I have a small complex with my uh, chin. I feel like it's a wee <laughs> bit on the small side. Okay. So you try and do you, have you ever thought about growing like a a little tuft of beard over the the chin, just to hide it? <laughs> yeah, that's sort of what I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs> Makes my face uh, look more manly. Yeah, I mean, like, because I've got beard as well, and like when um, occasionally I'll, I'll shave it off, like every six months or so. Okay. And, and when I do, it just makes my face so small. It's just yeah. it looks tiny. Yeah, the same for I think, me. Yeah, but I think it's because it's almost your beard is attached to your face. So that's how people see how big your head is. Yeah. So when you take it off, it's like, it's so small now. What happened? <laughs> but also I read somewhere that having a lot of hair on your head uh, makes you more emotionally sensitive. Okay. I don't know if that's, that's true or not. <laughs> but I do feel a little bit denser when I've cut my hair or shaved my beard. I mean, I guess it makes you more relaxed in a sense. Yeah, maybe. 
But I mean, it depends on the person, really. I don't think I don't think it's a very general general thing. Like, yeah, for sure. I mean, like well, the thing is, most people who have beards as like a generalization are kind of very like free, very chill people in a way. You don't get so many uptight people with beards. Well, it's, I on, I have to say that lately uh, it's been happening more and more uh, with the hipster thing, I would say. Mm. But yes, generally, uh, I agree with you that the cliche of the hippie is mostly bearded, a bearded person. Yeah. I mean, what do you think about the hipster kind of trend? Are you, are you kind of put off by that or, or are you not bothered? I don't, I don't know what it means even. I mean, being a hipster in the beginning was like, I don't even know what it meant to begin with. Like some people mm. say that it were people who in the fifties who were dancing. Some say that it was black people in the, in the ghettos dressing up in nice clothes because they wanted to sort of uh, look more um, cultural or refined. Mm. And now it's just become this, I don't know, uh, eBay archaeologist, you know, look at my weird hat thing. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I think it's it's interesting how you hipster, I mean, I think it used to be kind of against the norm, like that was the original kind of meaning of it. But yeah. now, when you, when you think of the word hipster, you immediately have an image in your head, like it just pops into your head. I mean, and what what pops into your head? I mean, yeah, like fedora, big beard, <laughs> self-conscious. Uh, yeah, <laughs> maybe like I, a checkered shirt or something. I, I wear checkered shirts, so I'm kind of just describing myself right now. Uh, yeah, you're describing me as well right now, actually. <laughs> Except the fedora. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I do have a hat, though, but not a fedora. Uh, but yeah, yeah, that's the picture I'm getting to. And most of the times, it feels like people use hipster uh, as a cursing word, almost. Like, I've been called yeah. fucking hipster a lot of times. Really? Yeah, fucking hipster. I mean, does it, yeah. do you retaliate, or does it, do you just let it slide? I don't know. I try to let it slide. Yeah. One time I retaliated with, do you want to get fucked by a hipster? <laughs> uh, but uh, that's the one time. It's pretty cool. It's <laughs> unnecessary to just, you know, whatever. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think it's best to like, just let them say their insults and just, you know, deal with their own emotions. Yeah. The problem lies with them, not me. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I think I'm going to say that's all. Well, that's all I have to ask, really. Um, oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, unless you want to talk about anything else. It's fine. I mean, what time is it? Uh, yeah, one hour fifteen minutes. It just feels pretty fair to me. I mean, it's okay. your show, man. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it can be our show. No, it's my show. <laughs> <laughs> no, it can be our show. Um, Hello, everyone. Bob Kane. <laughs> Bob Kane. Bob Kane. That was in reference to a joke Nicholas made before the podcast was recorded. 
Are there any Bob Canes in your family? He asked. No, I said. Without knowing that he was referring to Bob Kane from Batman, from which I heard Bathman. And we chuckled at the obscurity of this new comic book hero called Bathman. And I hope you enjoyed our conversation. And to leave you with something from the magic of El Huevo, here's a track from his just released album. And it's called The Setup.